podcast starts. Hello, everyone. If this is your first time listening to the show, then welcome. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back, and thanks for sticking with us. This show talks about horror. Horror in film, TV, other media, other items which we think of as adjacent to horror, and sometimes other things from our lives which we'd like to talk about, just because that's who we are. We have a number of hosts who vary week to week, but I'm T.D. Velasquez, and you can call me Dan. I'm in Greater Manchester. Now, today I have the pleasure of being joined by two co-hosts. Firstly, last week, she wasn't here when we talked about during Barty's party, but ordinarily she's always the life and soul of any party. It is... <laughs> Kirsty Warrow in Shropshire. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> Bless you. And the architect of the topic of today's episode, um, which is going to be the movie Alien 3. This was a film that was suggested by... Ian Winterton, currently in Cheshire. Not just over the border from Shropshire. <laughs> Not so rainy this week. Uh, no. Hopefully. <laughs> it is quite rainy where I am. So, welcome back to the show, folks. Um, Ian, you were here last week, but Kirsty, I've not seen you for a couple of weeks. Ooh, it's nice I was to see you again. last week as well. <laughs> did you get to watch during Barty's party? I did, and I oh. found it fascinating um, oh. and very atmospheric and, yeah, unexpected. Um, yes, but I would have loved to have been part of that discussion. But anyway, life yeah. happened, you know. There were pandemic-related we'll issues. We'll end up launching into a big discussion about it, <laughs> yeah, won't we? Yeah, so let's not, not do careful. that. But yes, no. And I haven't listened to the episode yet, but it's... um because I would have done, um, but uh, yeah, we've been self-isolating this week, so I've not had my podcast yeah. listening time. No, so, um, so, but I'm, I'm allowed out into the world tomorrow, so it's, <laughs> I'm going to listen to it then. Right, okay. Well, I'm glad you got to see um, during Barty's party anyway. Always glad to get people to watch it and that you enjoyed it. Yeah, and, well, uh, can I just say, well, when I started to watch it, I thought, oh, okay, here we go, sort of, you know, was it 80s? 76. Uh, late, 70, yeah, late 70s. Here, here I am watching some obscure late 70s British horror thing. Oh, yeah, that's because of Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. if that if I can have one impact on the world, then, then that's yeah. what I choose. So that's great. Uh, how have you been, Ian? Uh, good, good, busy. Um, I've just been commissioned by Cutaway to do another comic on top of the comics I'm doing. Um, as we'll find out in our news, we've been busy getting our audio projects together as well. Which I can tell you about now if you want. Well, go ahead, sir. Tell us all. In the news section today. Um, so <laughs> I've just received my lovely vinyl of The Wicker Man. Um, the audio the, production that we talked about a few episodes ago. Yeah, by, by Anthony D.P. Mann. And, and since we had our interview with him, you and I, um, he's now signed on to direct The Hungry Moon, the Ramsey Campbell adaptation that we are slowly but surely, it would have been done by now if not for COVID, we are slowly but surely putting into place, which so far has Louise Jameson definitely attached and we don't know who else yet but there's lots of names exciting names in the mix um wonderful so that's really exciting and he's also doing um which isn't so much to do with me but the he's, he's also directing the doctor who omega um comic book audio version of um so is that which, not written by you 
No, no, that's written by Mark Griffiths. All right. My, my first strip is going to be the backup strip in Omega's going to be 24 pages each issue, and mine's going to be six pages each issue. Wow. Um, Demons of Eden, which is cool. <laughs> um, again, based on something from the 1970s. Yes. Based on a classic Doctor Who from 1979. <laughs> yes, a crowd-funded comic book project, which I understand has made tons of money and, and vastly... Um, you know, exceeded its crowdfunding goals. It's doing on. all right for it's doing all right for a, a series of IP intellectual properties from the seventies. Yes, <laughs> it's not doing too bad at all. Yeah, nice um, one. But yeah, but it's getting bigger and bigger, and and there's again, there are some names involved with that which aren't definite yet. But um, well, actually, they've just announced Katie Manning doing a is definitely doing a commentary. Oh, um, all right. So that's the three doctors. When you say Before the commentary, this turns into a Doctor Who podcast, but, but yeah, so, she, she's doing she's doing a commentary with with um, Annie Wallace, who we both know. So actually. that is a bonus feature, isn't it, for people who back the comic? They get to yeah. listen to commentaries on Doctor Who episodes. Yeah. See, these people know that's their audience, Kirsty. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's uh, the amazing thing about the internet. It's 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 like. Oh, are you going to sell something that's really, really niche? Well, there's 7 billion people on the planet, so that <laughs> niche is now quite big. <laughs> it's a tiny, tiny percentage of 7 billion. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of wonderful to know. All right, yeah. well, well done. And, um, well, who knows, we might get to talk to Anthony again on this show then. Um, yeah. Lovely, creative man that he is. That's great. And we will have Ramsey at some point. Fantastic. You keep on promising that. Um, yeah. Well, I was. No, no, I'm not. I'm not putting a time limit on it or anything. No, no. I said. I said for last week because I know he loves Nigel Neal. Yeah, yeah. I emailed him and said I would, but I really hate anything to do with beasts. Yeah. So, uh, I wonder if he hasn't seen Barty's Party and he just watched all the others and hated them. Possibly. Um, and didn't bother watching the brilliant Barty's Party. That would, me a week later. that would be his loss. Oh, and um, Kirsty, you've not heard it yet, so you've not heard Ian's rat story. No, no, no. And to be honest, that is as big a draw, I think, for the episode. <laughs> than the <laughs> like, what is this? What is this story? So yes, I shall. Um, yeah, listen, to, listen, and report back. <laughs> Brilliant. And that goes for you two listeners. Anyone who's not heard the previous episode, track back and take that in. Yeah. Um, Okay, doc, my friends. Well, I think that's our news section. I don't have any particular news this week. Um, we'll do our usual recommendations at the end, but our our main topic for this movie is uh, something suggested by Ian. It's the film Alien 3. Now, often on this podcast, we talk about uh, new things. We review new things or we review old things that some of us have never seen. But this is a thing we, we've all seen before, and but, but Ian just felt like talking about it, so I went, okay. And, um, you know, uh, full disclosure at the start, I have not watched the film, especially for this podcast. I'm relying on the fact that I've seen it loads of times in various versions, and I think I can draw on that memory. But um, Kirsty and Ian, I know you've both re-watched it, especially for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I bought it. Um, I didn't own a copy. Wow, brilliant. That's, that's... £1.89 on Amazon. 
<laughs> wow, and you've got to keep it for that. Excellent. I know. Yeah. I get to keep it. Well, um, I, I admire yeah. the dedication of both of you. Here, in a world where the sun burns cold, and the wind blows colder, a visitor has come. But not by herself. It started. Come on! The suspense is back. And we have no weapons of any kind. The fear is back. And most of all, the bitch is back. Alien 3. Um, so, I think, you know, the two of you are going to have the most interesting things to say. Um, all I would say is, I'm, I'm just really interested to hear your points of view, because Kirsty, I know that you're a fan of David Fincher, so you'll be approaching it from that perspective or Kirsty's just making a heart shape with her fingers that's wonderful and um and Ian I know that I think I'm right in saying you saw this movie when it came out in 92 yes, I am I'm old you I was hate, 20 years old you, wow. you hated it and this is the well, first time you've watched it since. you know what I've just yeah every yeah it is so I've literally not seen it since 1992 and I was just googling because that period I was 20 and me and it was the summer so i was hanging out back home in northampton i was hanging out with old friends and new friends and we we're all slightly scruffy goffy type grebo types into and one of the things we were into apart from drinking and smoking weed was <laughs> was watching horror movies and watching geeky classic horror movies and quoting the princess bride and god we were probably awful to be in a pub near um, <laughs> but um and and there was some live role-playing game some some people were really hardcore into into that side of things as well wow you bunch of and we played and we played Dungeons and dragons and yeah and we all grew long hair and people did say stout yeoman of the bar wow so, but anyway um this was Northampton, which is like one of the goth capitals. There's Leeds and Northampton, and they're like the goth capitals of England. Um, so, A uh, Alien 3, and I was there going, in my head, I'm pretty sure it, we watched it not long after we watched Terminator 2. And Terminator 2 was one of the most fun nights of my young life, because <laughs> I'd never seen Terminator. And, and I watched it... Um, with my friends like the night before and then went to see Terminator 2 the next night. Um, and they were all mad fans and it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, that film is still good now and watching it at the age of 20, having just discovered how great Terminator is, it was just, every, everything was right about that. And I've looked on the internet and the UK release of, um, the UK release of Terminator 2 was, the 16th of August and 1991. 91? 92, well, I think. 
Oh, well, I mean, you might be right. Um, maybe it came out in the UK a long time after it did in America then. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, because um, it was a few months after America. But, um, but Alien 3 came out in the UK on the 21st of August. So that's why the two emerged in my head, because they're like a week apart. And so we were trying to recreate the magic. We watched lots of Alien films. We watched Alien and Aliens films I had seen and quoted them a lot and got drunk and then we went to see alien 3 so excited that it was maybe going to be a repeat of how exciting terminator 2 was and and just um. an identified female dead couple <laughs> hicks dead <laughs> like, like it, it, i even even now as they're going like i can i can i know what's coming so i can get into this and i was going but i do i just remember me and all my friends were like two rows of us, and we all went, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you know that we when we were almost <laughs> to walk out of there. Oh no! I'm going to stop you there, Ian. Just, but I mean, I'll let, I'll let I'll let you carry on in a second. But I just think it's I I think it's important to when talking about this film. I think there's two very distinct ways to look at it, and I think it might. Yeah. Uh, colour how you look at the film depending on which side you fall on one of, one way mm. is to look at it as a sequel to a very different film Aliens which you know is, is one of my favourite films if not the favourite uh, but also I um, you could look at it as a film on its own um, and I think the fact that it's a sequel has sometimes blinded people to seeing its qualities as a piece of cinema um i would argue that that it has and i and and because i i love the movie it's a sequel too i don't think it's good as a sequel to that film i still like a lot of it as a film in its own right so i'm kind of um ambivalent on, on that score um ian you can uh do you, do you want to continue ranting for a moment about your 1992 experience? <laughs> well, or, or, or... I was just saying that that's where I, that's where I came from, and that's how I remembered it. And then watching it now, I I mean, we, we could probably talk for an hour about the do's and don'ts of killing people off. It now made me go, it's a bold move. Hmm. You say it's a bad creative decision or good, or you could just say, yeah, we would we don't mind pissing off the fans it's a bit like you know now now i'm nearly 50 years old i could imagine them going no we'll kill them and and i go round around in my head going no no it's awful it is really bad it's a bad creative decision because we followed them all the way through aliens and and killing them and then not doing anything with it it, it felt like this is because we couldn't get them for this film or we didn't want to get them for this uh, film. And, oh, I, I can fill and, in some detail there. Okay. And, but I, but I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the character, the, the, something that huge, something that wrong happening. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen, but Newt dying and drowning <laughs> and then not really being that big. It's, it, obviously she cries a bit, but it's not, <laughs> it's not that big a thing. It's not that narratively important. Um, well, I would say. before we get into that, so yeah. I'm going to segue over to you, Kirsty, and, and get your mm. point of view on this. Um, what, but although I'll just quickly say, um, my point of view was that I, I saw this movie first of, of all the Alien films. 
So oh, wow. me, I didn't know who those characters were who, who were killed at the start, and I just had the emotional reaction of this woman's daughter has died, and that, and and mm. I, and you know, I think that's a reasonable opening. Um, what mm. does it draw you into the movie or not? It did for me when I was sort of eleven or however old I was. But Kirsty, I mean, before before you go on, can I ask, have you seen every single David Fincher film? Um. Yes. Yes. No. I have, with wow. the exception of with the exception of Mank. Yeah, I have. Now, but only right. recently. Only recently have I finished. Um, I put off watching Benjamin Button for quite a long time. Is that because it has a reputation for being the bad one? Uh, no, <laughs> just just because it it has a reputation. Well, because I perceived it as being a sort of slightly more kind of emotional, sentimental piece that was sort of out of step with. My perception of his, of his. I think I've seen every um, David Fincher. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen all of them, but I've seen a few. All the ones I've seen, I've liked. I haven't seen Benjamin Button. Oh, by the way, um, just before you go on, Kirsty, um, I've just listened to the start of the Mark Kermode Kermode on Film podcast this week, and it's all about David Fincher, and it's a okay. ranking of all his films. Excellent. And Kermode <laughs> and his co-host Jack Howard both rank alien 3 very low on the list let's say oh, yeah, yeah um, no, that, so i think it's bound to happen um although um you know Kermode uh defends it on the grounds that it wasn't finch's fault no. um but anyway so, so i would defend on this <laughs> yeah uh, so i mean i well my, my first contact with the film was before i really knew who david fincher was and before, certainly before i would define myself as a kind of a fan of his work um I think I saw it sort of late 90s in a similar haze to the sort of youth culture experience that that um, Ian previously <laughs> described. <laughs> so I was, you know, kind of, I, 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 the first Alien film is the one that's really stuck with me. I, I mean, I saw the second one, it was Aliens, but again, it's not particularly one that I got drawn to. Um, and I really, really enjoyed Ridley Scott's Alien. I thought it was masterful and creepy and you know just yeah that's my favorite one um so I didn't you know I knew that I'd seen Alien 3 and but I like it didn't really stick out for me in terms of kind of you know apart from the kind of prison bit that's about as was about as much as I remembered pre you know kind of prior to rewatching it this weekend. Um, I actually thought to myself, well, I'm going to go going into this as a as a Fincher fan, so let's see if I can get the Fincher you know cut. Um, but oh, I found oh. I, I found that it was on um, the well the theatrical version one assumes is on Sky Cinema for no money. So I all right, well, I'll just watch that one rather than spend any more money um, on it. Uh, so that's the one I watched. Um, yeah. So that's a good point. Which version did you watch, Ian, when you rewatched it? Mine was, like I said, two pound eighty nine, and I'm. <laughs> so I'm assuming. <laughs> if it doesn't have two versions of the film on it, you can assume that it's the theatrical cut. Yeah. It's got no special features other than the theatrical trailer and the making of Alien Three. I'm looking at the thing. It's 110 minutes long. 
Uh, yeah, that's yeah, the that's short one. Yeah. That's the theatrical. I think this is probably the theatrical version. Yeah. But to be fair, even the extended cut isn't really Fincher's film. He disowned both versions of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so. it's funny. It's funny, really, because I, you know, I was looking at the runtime of it and thinking, okay, that's short for a Finch film, but it still felt baggy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's still you can shave twenty minutes off it and just made it a much more kind of clippy, um, kind of roller coaster film, um, and that would have been fine for it to be honest. But yeah, so uh, <laughs> sorry, throat, fucking throat issues. Give me a minute. All right, Ian. So um, apart from the um, you know the issues of killing those characters from the previous movie at the start of the film. Was there anything that jumps out at you about the movie itself this time when you watched it that didn't hit you back in night? Well, I did, I did, I did like it. Um, no, I didn't love it, but I did, I did, um, I did actually really like lots of stuff to do with it. But I'd agree with Kirsty that it got a bit samey, and compared to other, like. The bit with the tunnels and everything towards the end, I, I did start to go at what's going on here, which isn't a good sign for an action movie. If if you can't do sort of really, you know, talking of David Cameron, if you can't do that sort of... James Cameron. James Cameron, for God's sake. Oh, his version of Alien. The horror. <laughs> yeah, yeah. David Cameron's David Alien Cameron's 3. Alien. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so James Cameron, but yeah. You know, when, when, when it's like turning the pages of a comic book and everything's yeah. like, <laughs> um, which Aliens is, and or, or if you're Ridley Scott and it's all that dread, it's sort of Alien 3. I mean, you wouldn't say it was a Fincher film anyway. Um, mm. If you, even if you, you know, obviously when I watched it, I didn't know who David Fincher was because he was nobody. But um, it was like his first, his first film. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it had lots of stuff in it that I did like, but it's weird. It's weird when you watch movies as an adult, I guess, and then you remember again. Well, I watched this when I was like in my twenties or whatever. Which, when you're forty-eight, you don't count as being an adult. And sometimes that exact feeling you had of where the plot loses you, because I'm, you know, you know me, I'm obsessed with structure and storytelling, and I remember. Charles Dance's death um, being shit when I watched it in 1992. And in this, I was there going even more shit because it really does that. Here is my storyline and my backstory that is a mystery. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I remember that took me out of it in 1992 and it did the same. It's like I rewatched um, The English Patient, totally different film. And I remember liking that up to a certain point and and i was like oh well maybe it's different now i'm i'm a i'm it's more sophisticated and it exact same bit wasn't analyzing it when i was 18 19 or whatever but now now i am analyzing it. it's doing the same thing it's failing in a certain way killing charles dance at that point in such a clumsy i have now finished my storyline way it was just ugh. Just also, awful. And then the that, you don't really the fact that, the fact see that, him die. Probably. Yeah, it's just not. No, really but then the fact, the, yeah, and then the fact that that it also been preceded with the awful. Do you are you attracted to me? Yes, I am. Let's yeah. have sex. 
just grim. Yeah. Grim compared to what, you know, I mean. Um, I want to, I want. Lots of stuff bothered, lots of stuff bothered me. It just wasn't a very good script. It was a clunky, clunky script. Um, This is where it fails, even if you take it as a standalone movie for my money. I feel like I want to counter some points, but Kirsty, is there anything you'd like to weigh in about? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree in that Charles's, Charles Dance's death was just mishandled. And, and I think the biggest problem the film had for me, it's going to link to that, is I didn't really care about any of the characters particularly. He was the... I mean, obviously, you care about Ripley. Um, he was the most, I think, out of the, you know, the kind of collection of people on the prison planet, whatever it is, um, he mm-hmm. is the one who is the most intriguing. There's, you know, obviously enigma about his backstory, why he's there and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so it, it did feel like a misstep to, you know, kind of halfway through the movie, remove the character that you, you know, the other character that you probably, you know, care about and are rooting for. Um, you know, he could have gone much further into the film and had a much more dramatic um, and impactful death. Um, yes. But yeah, and I think that that kind of connects to that idea that because I don't really care about any of the characters particularly, um, I don't really care when they died. <laughs> really. Right. Well, no, that's fair. That's slasher film. Yeah, but problem, and so it? therefore it loses its horror, doesn't it? Because you, yeah. you, you know, if you you're not dreading anybody dying because you don't care about them, then you know it's. It's a little bit, I mean, you know, it, it looked nice and it was kind of interesting and, you know, the sets were, and it was, you know, a fine ex- exercise and going, oh, look at all these British actors. Yes. Um, but you know, yeah. other things, that's, you know, and that's that's all great and wonderful. Also, who are, who are kind of hard to recognise because you, you're not used to seeing them bald. So, like, no. halfway through the movie, you go, oh, it's Pete Puzzlethwaite. Yeah. That, but the boldness was genuinely a problem, though, because, like you say, you can't tell, you, you don't yeah. care who dies, but you can't tell who's died. Yeah. Like, oh, is he still alive? I thought he got eaten. Yeah. There's just so many. And uh, I would argue though that Pete Pottersweight is always recognisable. In... Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> True. Everyone He's the there. most recognisable one. Yeah. But yeah. Uh... I think casting. I think just sort of casting wise or or costume wise, it should have made an effort to make everyone a little bit more recognisable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Pete Pottersweight has got an interesting face. Other people look quite generic. Yeah. They look yeah. like bold, bold white men mostly. And, well. Uh, do you do you both know <laughs> the story of uh, what motivated some of Fincher's casting? Well, was it with no, 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 no. Well, I was going to say it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. He well, seriously he wanted so... he wanted to reunite the cast of with Nell and I. Um, well, yeah, it was only yeah. I was so so delighted to see Ralph Brown though. It was just so yeah. <laughs> well, now... you know, I think he's living in Danny Danny the drug dealer's hell. Yeah, yeah. Like, everyone's <laughs> coming on board with him, and. Uh, <laughs> He's, he's surrounded by people coming on bold with him. <laughs> <laughs> this is the reason bold. why bald-headed men bold. are uptight. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And now, and now, I'm, now I am a prison governor. <laughs> <laughs> surrounded Appar- by bold men. Well, apparently David Fincher wanted Rich D. Grant to play the Charles Dance role, but Grant yeah. wasn't available. available. Poss- possibly because he was making Bram Stoker's Dracula. I'm not... Well, I'm mean, yeah. forgiven for that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so how random, and so, you know, it, it's, any of three is this weird outlier to my circle of favourite films. It's the sequel to one of my favourite films, and it, and it has the cast of one of my other favourite films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yes. But it's not one of my favourite films in no. itself. Um, no, it's also but, got also was 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 American Werewolf a big reason for Brian Glover being in there as well. Well, it was ten or, years later, so I'm not sure. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, no, no, but I mean, in terms of Fincher going, I want that bloke. Possibly, I've not heard I mean, that. It's, it's, but it's a, it's a, it's a. I mean, it has UK casting. Um, yes. On the well, credits. And, uh, just, just the amount of people in it. But da- Danny Webb, I love, and he's yeah, he's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's he's got one of those. Oh, what's he in face? And then you look at his IMDb, going nothing in particular, but everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I definitely did that whilst watching it. Going, I know him from, and but nothing out of his filmography sort of jumped out at me. Oh, it's that. Yeah. You get that guy from that thing. So he was, in, he was in the Doctor <laughs> Who episode, The Satan Pit. Impossible. He was. Oh, okay. Which is very much an alien ripoff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that was a conscious decision on their part, <laughs> yes. which is that we need an actor yeah. from the alien franchise. And yeah. I think he yeah. said that when he was on the set. He's like, I know why I'm here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but also, sorry, Kirsty. I was going to say, as a Fincher fan as well, there's the the kind of the loveliness of having um, uh, Holt um, McCallany. Well, I can never say his name right. Holt but... McCallany. <laughs> yeah, um, that's. The the guy who's in he's um uh the older detective in Mindhunter and he's also um in Fight Club. Oh right, I know he's so in he's... Fight Club, but I've not seen it for yeah. so long. So who does he play? I recognise the name when you said it. Yeah. In Mindhunter is one of the best best yeah. things. And yeah, why, so he's... why is it not season three? Um, I think t- he's tired. <laughs> what I understand, he's just really tired. He can't do it right now. Um, yeah. So, but um, yeah, ho- ho- yeah, Fincher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, he's been busy recently. So, um, does, he direct, does he direct all of them? Well, or... are we. I think from the the interview that I read, uh, he just basically he ended up sort of being showrunner and then and kind of mm. you know doing that, which is obviously it's a really big job if you you know that way inclined. Yeah. If you're the kind of person that Pincher is, then it's yeah probably yeah. gonna break you at some point. Um, so yeah, so um, in terms of season three, we'll just have to wait, and it might never happen. But you know, oh. yeah, I know. Although I did feel season two was a bit clunky at places. Maybe. <laughs> but season one. Well, the fact, the fact that episode one of that was had some moments that were so dreadful that it almost stopped me watching it. <laughs> um, the, the whole the whole girlfriend subplot. Which they jettison as soon as they can, anyway. Mm. But yeah, as an opening episode, there was some really bad stuff in it. But I, it's now one of my favourite things on TV. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, very much a sidebar topic. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I, I've never yes. even seen anyway, it. Anyway, so Holt is um, oh, you should. a you junior. Should. Yeah, in Alien Three, the, the rapist or the attempted rapist. Who, uh, and I, oh, the I'm... one who puts the goggles on. That's him. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not right. sure if I just stopped paying attention, but I'm not actually sure like uh, what what happens to him because I'm not sure. We no, see him. there's a, a lot of them just disappear. Yeah. Um, but here's I, the thing. That's the other thing as well. Is like that's that's an opportunity for a, an enjoyable death. Yeah, because he's yeah. been set up. You want <laughs> yeah. retribution against yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, as a female viewer, I absolutely did, and then it didn't happen. So, or at least if it did, yeah. I wasn't paying attention. We said something entirely different about it. <laughs> well, Ripley does kick him in the face. Well, Maybe. Yeah, but that's not if you compare, if you compare the other two Alien films, literally every character, just about, you can say, oh, they they 
this is how they go out. Mm. Every, every single every single alien character, this yeah. is how they go out. Every, just about every single character, other than quite a lot of Marines in one close. Yeah, yeah. But you can everyone's got an individual cool death that does something, is exciting. You don't know whether they're gonna live or die. And this was just like a sausage machine of bold men and <laughs> i can't you know you, you can't there's no standout there's no real for, there's hardly any standout scenes the dog was good yeah but yeah, then, having alien come out of a dog yes. was good but it would be nice to have had the kind of emotional moment of the you know the person who was who was set up as being close to the dog discovering the dog and then going oh shit something terrible's happening you know yeah, yeah. whereas he, he gets killed immediately yeah exactly. yeah yeah <laughs> That, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it it it. I would argue it it does it does fail. I've, it fails most definitely as a sequel. Like for me, it's like I I really hope, as was as has been rumored a few times, they make Alien Three. Like, like they, they make a new version, a new film. Yeah, yeah. Like they go, this is now Alien Three. Newt's Newt's grown up, and and they're all on Earth, and. And we can have a, you know, like they did with Terminator 2, not quite as much success, but... but they, well, it's funny, Dark last Fate. year they, they did Dark Fate, and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, have you both seen it? I have, yeah, we should put a, we should, have you seen it, Kirsty? No. No. Okay. Because I'm not a Terminator fan, so... Well, no, right. um... That starts I, off in I much the same way as, as, uh, as it starts Canadian off, 3 by... No, it does. It does. Yeah, exactly. It does. Right. The thing that the fans hated then. But, uh, but... Just stupid. What a stupid thing to do at the beginning. Uh, but anyway, um, I think that <laughs> that's a, a different conversation. Okay, I mean, I, I it's feel... Exactly the same, it's exactly the same problem. They kill the person we've been rooting for. The whole point of... And then, and then it's like, okay. I disagree because... What what Terminator Dark Fate does is like as if Alien Three was exactly the same film as it is, but there had been three other Alien films since Aliens, in which Newt, the character who is killed, is played by three different actors and does loads of different things that don't make sense, and you're sick yeah. of them. So so then the new <laughs> film comes along and goes, oh she's dead immediately, and you just go, all right, great. <laughs> I really enjoyed Terminator Dark Fate. We've just spoiled it. But on the other hand, you know, that happens in was, the first two movies. If I was um, Furlong, I'd be... Is, is he like... Has he really pissed James Cameron off or something? Uh, I, I, I've I, no idea, but... I mean, what's happened to him? What happened to him? Because he's just, you know... Like of that ilk, wasn't he? Of kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio early 90s. So he's, you know, kind of rising young male actor. And then... Because he could have, it could have been in Dark Fate, and they, as as you'll see in the opening few minutes, he doesn't make it out of being a CGI boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I have no idea whether he wanted to be in it or not, but I'm sure that he made some money out of it for not doing much, <laughs> if anything. To be honest, so yeah. uh, he might be happy. So back back to Alien Three though, I feel like I just want to give up some of my viewpoint on it because I just feel like I've got more positive things to say. Although it's all couched mm -hmm. in the fact that yeah, it was the first one I saw. Funnily enough, it was shown to me by the same friend who showed me Terminator Two when I was like eleven, and I couldn't deal with Terminator Two, 
Or I thought I couldn't because I, I, I didn't watch violent films. And he's like, no, it'll be fine. I watched Terminator 2 and enjoyed it. So then he put Alien 3 on. And I was very, 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 very worried about watching it. But he was like, no, no, remember, remember how much you enjoyed Terminator 2? This will be fine. And I made him turn it off after about 35 minutes. <laughs> I just couldn't deal with the oppressive atmosphere. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, but because I later saw all the Alien films and became a fan of the series, I've, I've watched the film over and over again. I've read the book. I've read about the, the making of it. I've seen the alternative cut. Um, and all the problems that you point out are correct. But I have often, and, and it, even down to the fact that um, Kirsty's point of it, oh, just a bit too long isn't it you know sometimes i've sat down to watch it looking forward to it and just just wished it would get on with it a bit and that problem actually gets worse in the extended cuts which is better in a lot of ways but obviously you don't make generally make a boring film less boring by making it longer um however i do like the fact that it's basically the story of ripley um as this woman who finds herself in a, a dark, nihilistic place where everything she loved has gone and she has um, a choice between shit or bust, basically. Uh, you well, yeah, can either... I, t- I totally believe she jumps in that. Yeah, and, and, and the whole movie is just... <laughs> and everything about the movie, I think the cinematography, the design and the score kind of reflects the despair of Ripley. And I think it's a brilliant performance from Sigourney Weaver. I think it's probably her best in that role. Um, and, I, and I think some of the dialogue is really good, actually. Um, even though I completely agree, Ian, um, it's not a very good script. But somehow the dialogue, which I think a lot of it is, uh, the dialogue's actually written by the producers, David Geiler and Walter Hill, Mm-hmm. And they also uh, ghost wrote the original Alien film, so they're they're not credited with the script, but they did write most of the dialogue. And um, I, um, I I recognise the similarities because they both both films feature sinister British guys who end sentences with the word yes. Which I, I've I've never noticed any other movie. I'd be quite pleased to, to have a little chat. Yes, says Brian Glover <laughs> at one point. Um, and you know that, that that moment where Ripley kind of offers herself as a sacrifice to the alien, and it won't kill her. Mm-hmm. And then she wanders, but and 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 she has that amazing line of dialogue. You've been in my life so long, I can't remember anything else. I think that's that's so wonderful. I don't think I it makes remember, any but, sense. Never, but I, I remember in 1992 that line jumped out at me. And well, I was there going, okay, so she's she's basically been on a spaceship. It's killed all her crew. She's yeah. been in sleep. She's been on Earth for a few months, and then she's gone to then she's gone to LV 426 and then she's been in hypersleep it hasn't been in her life that long no it hasn't it's been in her life about <laughs> 18 months at the most however yeah. you can understand from Sigourney Weaver's point of view she's been playing this character for 13 years well, yeah. from but audience's point of view it feels like forever it, it, it feels like a meta line doesn't it As yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a kind of mythical thing yeah. and it and it's been kind... in my life for so long because you know like we had that summer together I mean, <laughs> 
it's like it's like it's like until eighteen months ago, everything was fine. I was just a person on a sp- on the Nostromo. I also and, think and then she's had a mad eighteen months. There's such a lot of great work in the film by artists who I discovered for the first time here, um, and who you know you you might hardly notice because they're an anonymous-looking bold actor or whatever. But yeah, yeah. people like the composer Elliot Goldenthal, um, who is married to the the theatre and film director Julie Taymor, and his work on her productions is stunning. Um, I first discovered on this movie, and the cinematographer Alex Thompson, who did movies like Excalibur, and um, the Christopher Lee horror film Deathline, as I, I remember, he, he's got a proper heritage of horror. Only died quite recently. Um, this, is, uh, I, I this, think, this, is, this is Fincher getting to work with people he really wants to work with, isn't it? Well, apparently, originally, Fincher wanted the DP on the film to be Jordan Cronenworth, who shot Blade Runner for mm-hmm. Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. But basically, Cronenworth, because he was a, a painstaking artist, just took too long, and the studio brass went, we're going to fire him, get someone faster. So they ended up using Alex Thompson, but who, who is also a great artist. And, and Alex yeah. Thompson was on record saying, I think it's the best looking of all the Alien films. Well, he would say that. <laughs> would say but, that exactly. but I think in some ways he might be right. Um, it might be. It, it looks... It's, it, as, a, it, as, a, as, a, as a way it looks, there's not a single frame where I go, that looks bad. Yeah, I think so. Aliens, some of the model shots have aged badly. Yeah, I mean, I, but, I, I would dis- dispute the whole lot looking back. Only a bit, I felt, felt like the VFX shots. Yeah, the, the, they, uh, they, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. they were clunky uh, at the time and they haven't dated uh, well. No, and, and, I, and I, there's part of me I wondered to what extent he was at the studio and what extent that was Fincher, uh, you know, because yeah. he loves VFX stuff. So, you know, it, didn't, it wouldn't surprise me that he might have pushed for that rather than having something more practical, but... Oh, yeah. because they used a puppet alien instead of like a man in a suit thing. You mean? No, it... the the actual VFX shots, the 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 digital ones, they look so ropey. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It is a puppet, though. It's not. Um, okay. It's well, not CGI. The, the, com- the, com- the, the composition is not great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The compositing. Yeah. 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 yeah there's um, CGI. Because I remember in 1982, everyone just guffawing, which didn't yeah. help with the fact that they just killed Hicks and Newt as well. Yeah, a film from 1979 did this better. What the fuck are you doing? No, the the trouble with the alien is that every time it's a close up of the mouth or the hands or something, it looks great. But every time it's a wider shot, you just just go, oh dear. No, especially like the bits when it's meant to be running along the ceiling and things like that. Yes, yeah. Um, that's the bit that stays with me from 1992. That awful. Oh, just awful. Like I'm, I'm glad that it, it looked that bad in '92. It's not just its age really bad. Yeah, well, no, because actually, yeah, sure yeah, later we had Jurassic Park, which still looks great now. It's yeah. CGI. I think overuse of CGI and it's it's a, it's a bit. Well, no, that's the irony. It's not CGI. It's just bad compositing. That that right. alien creature on the ceiling is not a CGI animation. It's a puppet. It's a rod puppet yeah. being up. Op- it's not a man in a suit. It's a rod puppet. Um, right, kind of, be, and and they digital, there's a digital effect involved. Well, they they might have digitally got rid of the rods, but yeah. um, you know, but something it, that made everyone laugh in the cinema anyway. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't blame <laughs> them. But and uh, the other thing um, that kind of makes me fond of the film is just how many of the cast 
are people I've I've just gone on to love, who yeah. I first discovered there. So Paul McGann is pretty much my favourite actor. Um, you know, he's in the film for two minutes. Literally, I think they cut him down to two minutes or one and a half minutes of screen time. But he has a sufficiently good moments that even at the age of like 12, I was like, who's that guy? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and he, he kind of, um, he admitted in one of, in an interview for the film afterwards that um, he started off the shoot doing an American accent. And at one point, Fincher just one day took him to one side and said, lose the accent. So he, he, then he just started talking his own voice, uh, and you can hear hear the shift. I mean, it never bothered me. Um, I think that that's a wonderful scene with Ripley. It's right before Charles Dance's death scene, where yeah, you know, he, he he's in the medical bay and he has that little conversation with her, and yeah. um, he's supposed to be a rapist, and he says, "You're a pretty girl. I knew lots of them. They used to yeah. like me." And then this kind of dark shadow passes over his face, and then he says, for a while. You know, I just thought that was the, the, his little moments like that, the film's kind yeah. of full of. Um, and, but, and also, I think, in terms of characters you care about um, and, and great actors, I would mention Charles S. Dutton. I think I always did care about the character of Dylan. Um, it, the second half of the movie is really a double act between Weaver and him. And they're surrounded by loads of other relatively anonymous um, bald guys who all die and you don't care. But I yeah. think, um, yeah, the, the, you know, he's a kind of heroic, redemptive figure. Yeah, you know, his, uh, his is the only death that really sticks out, I think, for me. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the way that it felt like it should work. Yeah. Mm. Um, but but even then, the, the script is kind of clunky in, in kind of saying, oh, he has to sacrifice himself at this point because it's the only way to give Ripley the chance. It's not really convincing that he has to do that. Um, I, I don't think that that moment's really earned. And even as a 12-year-old, I remember kind of... Well, I wrote in my, um, in my extensive review that I wrote on my PCW9512... Um, you know, I remember saying, you know, everybody basically dies, so it, the whole film just feels pointless. The literally the only character who survives is Morse, played by Danny Webb, and actually he's one of the more likable because he gets a couple of decent lines. Yeah, that's about yeah. it. Um, yeah. But so you know, so the the whole film is kind of depressing. Uh, and pointless. But if all the people to survive, it means it has no narrative impact that he survives. No, it no. doesn't. It's not like it doesn't matter whether he lives or dies. It has no. It doesn't make us go, oh, but he's out there. He's no, 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 it doesn't. And that, hey, but in a way that that, that it's like the whole film is a statement about pointlessness, because well, like yeah. two seconds before that, well, uh, a minute or so before that. Another character you care about a bit more, which is, I think, the Ralph Brown character. He's the guy who says, I've got a wife, I've got a kid, I go home on the next rotation. Yeah. He's kind of arbitrarily killed, not even by the aliens. He's just yeah. shot by one of the guards. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think that that's kind of moving. And it's like the, the movie is deliberately chosen not to have him survive and to have the random unpleasant, how about if I just sit here on my ass? character that's a great yeah. line um mm. you know um i kind of respect it for doing all that 
um, it's it's almost deliberately giving you not what you want. So, um, yeah, it's venture in many ways. <laughs> right. So, so I know what you think you want, but no, let me give you this instead. Yeah, um, which you know is is fine. I'm. I think for me, one of the interesting things about the film was the the gendered nature of it and i know there's a lot of stuff on kind of a the alien franchise and the idea of gender um particularly obviously because of ripley but it just it felt like a little bit more on the nose in this one because of the you know the kind of yeah the opposition between her as the single woman in the you know kind of all-male penal colony um and that yeah, it just made her hot as well so that really confuses it they're all talking <laughs> about they're all talking about yeah this is a place full of murderers and rapists anyway do you find me attractive? <laughs> yeah, no, which, which really annoyed, like, that whole yeah. bit. It was like, yeah. what, like, you know, that just felt like Hollywood at work, as in, here's our yeah, little yeah. lady, we've got to have her, you know, kind of make out with the, the, the best looking of the bunch. Um, but, mm. you know, there's that whole kind of... not to rape us first. No, well, exactly. <laughs> and one, one, one could have, I mean, and that, I think, might have been a, a more interesting turn of his character to, to, to find out that actually he is. Well, it feels um, like they're setting that up. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? But I think in, in a bigger sense, you've obviously got the whole kind of, you know, the kind of threat of rape throughout the whole film, you know, at least, well, throughout the first half of the film until the whole junior thing. Um, but then after that, I think it becomes much more about kind of a, you know, um, you know, cue rolling eyes at feminist viewpoint here, but the whole kind of, um, it, you know, it's about a woman's right to decide what to do with her own body, isn't it? In in many ways, in that she discovers mm. that she has this thing inside her and um, she wants rid of it. She wants to be able to, you know, kind of deal with it in the way she chooses. And all of the men around her go, no. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No, no. Let's not, yeah. Let's not do that. And, you know, <laughs> and that, you know, I think kind of that, I mean, it, I, the, her, her victory at the end is, I think, bigger because of that ba those battles that she has. But, you know, and I appreciate that it makes a more dramatic narrative to not have the, you know, the people sort of acquiesce to her, her original requests at the time which she makes them. But it, it yeah. I'm still, I'm no. still percolating those ideas, I think, uh, around. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, I, I got that. It's a, it's a pro, you know, it's got a pro-choice message. Yeah, I've never heard anyone say that before. That's, I mean, you know, that that theme is clearly there, um, and I think it's something they could have made a much more, they, you know, they could have explored that theme. Yeah. Again, again, on on the negative side of that, one of the things they always, one 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 thing that's always people have some people have found a bit disappointing is the whole point of Alien is they were surnames. And there was a man who was cast before he dropped out, yeah. and then they cast then they cast Sigourney. And then when Aliens came along, oh, she's got to sort of have a bit of a flirt because she's a woman. Actually, it's got to all be about motherhood. Um, mm. And so now, by the time you get to three, it's about pregnancy and motherhood. And, yeah. And then if that had been a male character, it would have been a whole different thing. Yeah. I still think it. I still think it works, but it's it's very much. What can women do? What could we? What could we make them? What could yeah. be like a motivating factor? I know they like having babies, don't they? Yeah, yeah. and it, it does feel as well that you know. I know we've talked about it on the podcast before about um, Barbara Creed's idea of the monstrous feminine about you know kind of the when women are monsters in film, it's it's kind of linked to kind of you know biological sex reproduction features. Mm. And, you know, obviously the kind of um, queen alien is always kind of used as or is often used as an example of that. But then you've got I think the the way that 
you know, as we talked about earlier, the fact that the that she won't um, attack Ripley sort yeah. of again creates a really gendered binary <laughs> where, you know, kind of Ripley wants to fight her and wants to, you know, kind of be in opposition, but it's like female solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you're carrying some of my children. So, you know, we're on the same team now, um, which, you know, I thought it's, it's kind of, you know, it's an interesting idea, but then not necessarily exploited. Well, it's, you know, it's exploited in a very 1992 way. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it, it's, yeah. well, like we say, it's, it's just not a very kind of imaginative script in, in the way that it goes through its ideas. And, you know, it the, the production process of Alien 3 and the script development process was unbelievably torturous, as you may know. You know, tons mm. of different writers rewriting each other to hell. I think Fincher was about the f- fourth, third or fourth director mm. uh, on it. Um, and um, and for a while it wasn't going to have Ripley in it. Uh, on that note, I'll forgive the writers for kind of going in the obvious, oh, let's do a thing about pregnancy thing because it's a female character. Because even if it had been a male character by this point in the Alien series... Mm. Uh, you know, anyone who uh, gets impregnated with the alien is technically pregnant. Yeah. You know, um, so they, they couldn't really escape from that. And it might just have been, I, I think it's kind of a, a point of logic by this point um, that uh, as Ripley's there, that's, that's what they do. And actually, I like the fact that through the alien movies, Ripley and the alien move closer together. So, mm. uh, you know, in the first film, they're completely separate. In the second film, they're, they're both kind of looked at as mothers from different angles. In the mm. third film, Ripley is the alien's mother. In the fourth film, Ripley has become the alien, sort of. Yeah. Um, mm. There's, you know, so there's all kinds of thematic things that, that, that I quite like there. Yeah. Um, oh, um, just because I, I might forget to mention it before the end, Ian, um, you, were, you did criticise... The kind of action filmmaking in the movie on the ground, you know, the, the confusing and non, non-exciting nature of the chase scenes at the end. Mm. Um, well, in the extended cut, they do try and fix that. Mm. Um, and they make it worse. It's really <laughs> interesting. Um, That's because... a very defence you just went for. <laughs> <laughs> they, they died, but, you know. Well, it's like there's... there's, there's a, Basically, in between the scenes of people running through corridors, they put a lot of lines in about the aliens down corridor 5A. You better run down corridor 7C <laughs> and things like that. So it's like to give you more of an idea of, of what the layout is, but it's just mm. confusing. And, and because there isn't the, you know, maybe if they'd filmed like an overhead shot where you could see where everybody was in relation to everyone else, it would all kind of come together, yeah. but, but they haven't done that. So so it's still just a load of people running down corridors, yeah. except now they're talking about it a lot more. Yeah. So, I'm just thinking about the, there's a moment, isn't there, in, the, in Alien, where you sort of see the, you know, kind of radar yes. thing, which yeah. is a really good device of, you know, kind of increasing the peril and, and kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, graphically... Um, establishing kind of spatial relations and this one of course doesn't do this and I one of the thoughts I, I that I had when I was watching it is kind of thinking about the way that I think what works for me about Alien is just the claustrophobia the the ships feel so small and the way that mm. Scott shoots it there's so much darkness that you know everything feels like really tight 
um, that, you know, the kind of these big sets in some ways, you know, kind of they, they're the inverse of that. And so I just wonder about the kind of visual pressure that kind of smaller sets, it's a bit like the descent, isn't it? Is when everybody sort of, mm. kind of yeah. in, you feel, you know, kind of the, the, the visual tension matches the narrative tension. Um, and this doesn't have that. So even those, you know, kind of sequences down the corridor is just, A, they all look the same, problem, but yeah. there wasn't a sense of visual pressure, pressure in terms of, you know, kind of that, you know, the way that you would expect in the third act, everything uh, to be a lot tighter. Yeah. Um, I just wonder if that's a bit, was a bit of a misstep from the whole, you know, kind of set design. If yes, although uh, again, in, in defense of, Fincher and uh, and the, How the dare approach, you don't defend him <laughs> and the approach that the production took in general. Um, I think the sets were actually designed and built for a previous version of the script, like oh, a very different version. And they just they they're like, we want to change the whole script, but we've already spent millions of dollars on building yeah, the set. It was going to be a monastery, wasn't it? And that's yeah. why, even even if you didn't know the backstory to what had gone on, you know, the pre-production sort of like <laughs> you just get the feeling it's like why is there so much religion in this and yeah. and then there's rapists and then there's this and then there's what what's going mm. on everything it was it was a big mess like as a script it was mm. a big unnecessary mess and and i can't get away from the fact that it's it is a sequel it ruined the franchise alien and aliens and then something as good would have been amazing <laughs> Well, any three good films would have been great. <laughs> no, no, but can you imagine how, like, yeah. like, Aliens had no right to be good, and some people hated it because it wasn't like Alien anyway. Yeah. It's, an action, it's an action movie, Vietnam movie in space, so tonally it's weirdly different, but they get the way it looks really spot on, so it feels like the same universe. Mm. Alien doesn't give a shit about looking like the other two. No. It it doesn't give a shit about many things other than I think getting some money at the box office, and and then it's just a big mess and a I don't know too many chiefs kind of thing. Just how many people put their fingerprints on the next episode of Alien Three? No yeah. one knew what they wanted. And and me, I've said this before. To me, it's it's like a zombie movie. We had one zombie. We have lots of zombies. We have even more fucking zombies in the third one. Alien 3 should have been Earth War, like in the yeah. comics or something like that. Just up the stakes, same universe, similar feel to Aliens. Not, not going back to one alien running around. <laughs> so we're not quite as good as in the first one. Well, silly thing to do. How do you feel <laughs> about the idea that, you know, as you say, some people don't like Aliens for changing the tone and changing the approach. Yeah, Some yeah. people prefer Alien 3 because they feel like it's closer to, to the Ridley Scott feel. Um, Those are people that don't drink, take milk in their tea, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like it's, it's like a false argument because if Aliens had not happened and Alien 3 had come out as the second film, which he could have done, you could have had Ripley in that spaceship at the end of Alien then crashes yeah. on a, pr a prison planet. I think people would have just gone, this is just like Alien, but kind of rubbish. And and it wouldn't have yeah. had any respect. But, and um, as it was, and now we get to go, this is like Alien and Aliens, but rubbish. 
it's it's not it's not it's neither fish nor fowl. It's it's not it's 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 just a completely pointless movie. Yeah. That for me commits the crime of ruining, like retrospectively ruining two amazingly good films. Oh, I feel I feel like Stella would come in here and say, but the, but it doesn't though. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to stop yeah, they still going, exist. <laughs> this is where you have to go this is where you have to if you've got a sort of brain that goes everything that's happened in an alien movie is canon then yeah. I tell you what the only thing that makes this look good now is the fucking prequels so which, oh dear which that, I hate that's another podcast <laughs> yeah yeah um, but which, um, talking of and just talking of pointless movies that ruin the well movie. let's not go there but <laughs> I'll just cap that by saying the journey that I've gone on with these two movies is that with well, sorry with with Aliens and Alien Three as a sequel is that I've decided that the bad idea that Alien Three made was to to, to exist because <laughs> I don't think there was any more story to tell. Those characters have survived. Um, it, you know, they earned their survival. They yeah. came together as a family. The only logical next story is they live happily ever after somewhere. That wouldn't have been a very exciting film. So therefore, just don't make another one. Or if you are going to make another alien film, make it about a completely different set of characters. Why not? They could have um, done that. Or, or they, could have, they could have had... Sorry, Kirsty, but they could, they, could have had, they could have had an escalation. If they'd done it right and it'd been a, if it'd been good basically, and and you know a three-hour epic on Earth, as as the alien menace, the bioweapons division, gets gets you know it gets out, Newton 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 Ripley and Hicks are on Earth. Well, yeah. apparently they, they thought about doing something like that, but very quickly decided it would just be far too expensive, even at this level of budget. So, yeah, so yeah. that kind of went out the window. Yeah. Um, before, uh, we, uh, my eyes on the time, we're running out yeah. of time. Before I'm going to ask you both for any final thoughts, Ian, I just want to ask you, I think you've heard the recently um, Dirk Maggs produced an audio version of the William Gibson script of Alien 3, which was one of yeah. the, film, the scripts that was thrown out before this movie happened. Um, so did that strike you as it would have been any better? Because that, that script is about what happens to Hicks. And Yeah, I, I, I love, um, love, love Dirk Mags' Alien audios. Yeah, I do. And, um, and I love the books they're based on, they're like Tim LeBon. Well, I, I, I yeah, yeah. Think. On. But then, but they find really cool ways of having extra alien stories. Stuff. Yeah, they stories. do. One of them with Ripley, one of them not. Um, and it's... and the alien, the the William Gibson Alien Three is a sort of stands alone from that. It's yes. basically this is the sequel. If we hadn't had Alien Three, this is the sequel. Yeah, and and it was desired. And he he had to. William Gibson had to write it. Going, Sigourney Weaver's not really going to be in this. She doesn't want to be, but we can make it about Hicks. Yeah. Um, and so, I think if it had come out, I don't like it as a. I mean, I love it as a. I love it's, it as. I love it's a it as production. A production. Yeah. It's, it's very entertaining, and Dirk Maggs is a master. I think as a film, I can see why they didn't make it. Yeah. Just, uh, it feels a bit like the same way 
the beginning of Alien 3 feels a bit like, oh, so I can see the meeting room of this film. I can see them. Well, we haven't got Hicks and we haven't got Newt. Well, it, it's and, got and this the strange... Other, the other one was like, we haven't got Sigourney. Let's yeah. make this about Hicks. So you'd be there going, where's Sigourney? Um, yeah, so it's got yeah, this strange right. thing of like Gibson obviously knows that he doesn't, he can't kill off uh, yeah. Ripley, but he he also can't think of another good way to get rid of her. So halfway through the movie, he just shoves Newton Ripley into a little spaceship escape pod and goes, "Bye, see you in yeah, the yeah. next movie." Yeah, um, yeah. And there aren't really any very good characters apart from him no, I think it, Bishop I think it would have been it, very so. disappointing if it had actually got made. Yeah. Um, I think so. Yeah, as a, as an audio piece, it's well worth a listen. Yeah, it's good to yeah. hear Lance Henriksen and Michael yeah. Bean play those characters again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, but, so. but of um, of the other audible Dirk Mags ones, I I much prefer the others. Just because. Yeah. The the the, the source material, the novels, is better, I and mean, then Dirk's, and obviously Dirk's written the script. Yeah, based, the, on, based on much superior source materials the one based on <laughs> the novel um, by tim labon which has rotten gehauer in it is great yeah 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 um, i love the sci-fi geek you you uh the sci-fi geekiness of how ash survives from the first movie yeah he's really good kirsty yeah so they which is and he's got a different voice because he's with her yeah, um, he's now pl- well. I love the fact that they've taken so Ron Ridley his... Scott android character and replaced him with an actor associated with another Ridley Scott android. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, kind yeah. of stylish. Yeah, yeah, but it's um, yeah, no, but it's just just the little sci-fi geekiness in me goes. They found a nice nifty way that Ash has survived as noughts and ones, and so yeah. he's in the system. And when he speaks, yeah, he, um, he so he's not an android. He's an AI. Yeah, so it's his. It's his I don't know, you say software, not hardware. Yeah, it's <laughs> really good. I, I yeah, like yeah, so it's lot. really good. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's lots. There's lots of. There's, they're all. They're all well worth. Um, all well worth listening to. Yeah, but I, I, I still hope don't they think, keep doing more. I still don't think a decent Alien Three. I still part of me thinks either they could do that. I think my preferred outcome for Alien is that we 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 have a thing where we pretend. The movies haven't happened. They're just there. They're a thing. Um, and we have a really, really good Netflix series. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Universe that, I, starts, I, that starts I, off by doing the Nostromo with different actors. Um, and and they don't get it wrong this time. Which they, <laughs> and, you know, good luck. On and, they, and, they, and they have lots of corporate intrigue and the bioweapons division. And eventually, eventually, in season four or five, Earth gets fucked. Well, apparently, Kirsty, <laughs> uh, you like the series Legion. Yes. What's the I name of the writer of that? Noah Hawley. Yes. That's what he wants to do. That, that would be amazing. Yeah, he's recently said right. that. Oh, whether has he? It, yeah, <laughs> whether it will ever come to pass. Well, no. No, but I don't think it will while Ridley Scott draws breath. Nothing <laughs> 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 against Ridley well, Scott, but I really. Uh, he's, he's, it's weird, Ridley Scott, because he's. Directed two of my favourite films, Blade Runner and Alien, and also, I like. He's also disappointed me more than any other human on the planet. I think. <laughs> wow. Uh, on that note, wow. we're running out of time. So, I've, uh, both can, Alien prequels are I'm, just 
Uh, yeah, another time, sir. Another time, Kirsty. Have you got anything else you'd like to say about Alien Three before yeah. we? In in summation, um, I think <laughs> that Alien Three is the problem with Alien Three is it's Hollywood by committee with a you know a kind of drive to make money um, and not trusting the people that they you know that are making the creative decisions to do a good job. Um, I think that's its fundamental problem. However, I am incredibly grateful for it because the, you know, the experience that it, you know, it generated for Fincher, it's clearly stayed with him. Yeah. And I think has generated, you know, kind of the this, you know, it was a formative experience and, um, you know, led him to make the films that he's made, which I love dearly. Um, and yeah, so thanks, horrible Hollywood studio executive. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think but fair thanks. enough. Yeah, you made, you, made, you, made, you made Fincher the control freak we know and love. Yes, yeah, absolutely, and <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't have him any other way. So yeah, yeah, brilliant. He's, he's made some amazing films. Yeah, he? absolutely. <laughs> Ian, anything you'd like to say? Last thing. Um, I probably shouted more than anyone this session. Anyway, I really, really wanted to revisit it and realise my twenty-year-old self was wrong. But as I keep saying. As an audience member, generally you're not wrong. Your first viewing of a film is, oh, that, you don't go, oh, that midpoint was a bit off, or oh, they didn't set that up, or that character. But when you actually watch it with your with your popcorn chomping face on, you go, something something shit, something happened that made me took me out of this movie, and then you go home and go, no, that film was a bit shit. Oh, yeah, well, Alien Three is just. Uh, and I, I, I think if it had been a standalone movie, it would, we wouldn't be talking about it ever again. No. Um, but, I've got to ask you. But as a sequel, it commits huge... Whoever, whoever's responsible for finally going, this is the alien movie we're going to unleash on the world. I want to find him and flush his ass out of the airlock. I will say that the making of documentary, the proper one, Ian, it's probably not the one on your DVD, but there's no. like a three-hour-long making of, which is really interesting. And uh, among the things revealed in it is the fact that David Fincher found the day, most of the days of shooting so stressful and depressing that he just had to go to the pub with Brian Glover at the end of the day and get pissed. And that's just Brilliant. wonderful. That's and just wonderful. go, tell me the Alamo joke. Tell me the Alamo joke. <laughs> um, so my final thought, Vaguely related to this topic is that I saw a documentary on BBC Two the other day. I'll put a link in the show notes. It revealed that I think at the Eden Project in Cornwall, is it? Mm -hmm. That there is now a project to introduce beavers to the British Isles or reintroduce them. So they've just they they brought over from Canada or somewhere uh, one beaver that they. Then they kind of had to alter the climate to make sure the beaver could thrive in it, and they named the beaver for the purpose. What was the name of the beaver? Was it Ripley? Well, no, it was Sigourney, obviously. Oh, right. <laughs> so, Sigourney Beaver. That's gently related. <laughs> yes, but yeah. it just it just felt like well, this is Alien Week, so yes, Sigourney Beaver. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much, both. That was just uh, that was lovely to just um, chew the fat on that movie for a while. Yeah. Um, before we go, um, I've got something I'd like to recommend this week. Have you both got recommendation? Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, great. Um, well, I'll go last then. Sigourney. Uh, Sigourney. I actually called you Sigourney then, Kirsty. Kirsty. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, um, so, what's uh, what are you recommending? Okay, so my recommendation this week is uh, one a film that's been on Netflix for a couple of weeks now. Uh, His House. Oh uh, yes. Which is a, a kind of British, all sort of low budget ish um, uh, horror. Uh, so yeah, supernatural horror. Um, based on two um, uh, African refugees who um, of asylum seekers um, in Britain, and the you know kind of story of them dealing with past trauma um, in the horrible place that they are put, um, and it is you know uh, yeah it's are they in, it's are they in Alden? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot speak to that. It certainly seems more south um, than yeah than uh-huh. Oldham. Um, but yeah, it's it's got some uh, great performances and some absolutely stunning, stunning images in it. Um, yeah, it really it stuck with me for quite a few days after. Yeah, I've not seen but, it, but everyone's been yeah recommending it. Left yeah, right yeah, really, it's definitely really watching that. The movie, yeah it's, only, it's, yeah, it's only about ninety minutes as well, so it's not a you know it's not a David Fincher film. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, um, it's co-written by a chap called Toby Venables, who um, there's a, he, he's on a YouTube channel called Valverde Broadcasting a lot, commenting on different movies. And there's a big interview with him and his co-writer about his house that I've deliberately not watched because I don't want to spoil the film. But it's there on YouTube for people to go to after they've seen the film, and I'll put the link in the show notes. Oh, cool. How about you, Ian? What do you recommend? Well, I, th- I think... Um... Uh, I've been too busy watching any everything, but I would just go back to my Wickerman vinyl purchase. Um, but the fact that Cadabra is turned me on to Cadabra Records, which is the people that Anthony used to do the vinyl, and they do um, what do they describe themselves as? Um, they've carved their own its own niche in the lost art of the spoken word, um, and they. Uh, oh, I did have it. It's. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cadaver Records were a boutique label specialising in vinyl, vinyl-only spoken art, underscored with ambient, nightmarish sounds, catering exclusively to the horror-weird genre, the horror-slash-weird genre. Cadaver produced some of the most luxurious vinyl pressings available in the 21st century. And looking at my Wicker Man, Yes. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't even have a record see it. It's it's beautiful. Ian, you should take a photograph right. of it, um, or two photographs, so that um, Dan can put yeah. them in the show, show notes. That would be fantastic. Yes, I'll yeah, do yeah. that. But um, yeah, we, we'll stick a we'll stick a link to Cadabra. Yes, we certainly will. But yeah, All right. and, and and now, amazingly, we're going to be working with Anthony on many projects. Well, thanks for this little podcast. That's wonderful news. Marvellous. <laughs> um, okay, so finally, my recommendation on Amazon Prime, I've just discovered there's a documentary called Timelines, The Pendle Witch Child. Um, so, Kirsty, you, you, you might quite like this. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that. <laughs> so it's Simon Armitage, our present poet laureate, mm-hmm. looking into the historical case of the Pendle Witch Trials and... Um, what happened next to the key child witness in the case, uh, Janet Davis? Um, I didn't know it was there. It just turned up on my feed, and it's a really odd 
example of Amazon's procurement because it doesn't have any credits on it. So I, I don't know if it was made for Channel 4. It's got that kind of feel to it. But I, I only know it's pre presented by Simon Armitage because I know who he is. It doesn't say Simon Armitage on screen. None of the historian experts on it, are, uh, you know, it doesn't give you any of their names either. You just have to take it on trust that they know what they're talking about. But it's very interesting. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. Yeah. Looks. I, yeah. Well, I've been definitely adding that. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's an hour long, and it's it's uh, you know it's a really good insight into into that historical period. Yeah. And oh, yes. for anyone who wants a background to kind of folk horror. Um, yeah. Is it an device? The the woman who it's not because she's not just in Good Omens as a fictional character, is she? Because she's called Janet Device. And there's oh, well, yes. And, and so, yeah. from a device yeah, yeah. in Good Omens. Yes. Is that the real? Is that the real witch's name? Well, whether she was a witch or not. But no, the real the, executed the, woman's name. There was Janet, yes. and there was Alison. Um, and Alice Nutter. No, uh, I thought there was Alison Davis as well. Um, oh, maybe. But uh, no, I don't think she was called Anathema. Is that what you said? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is that just in? Is that just in the Neil Gaiman? That's just in the. That sounds like a very Neil Gaiman. <laughs> yeah. From a device, but I wonder yeah. if that's where the word device came yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, probably. We must look mm. into this. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go and have a look at that as well then on Amazon Prime. Nice one. Well, it's right up my street, and I live not far from Pendle. Cool. And it was in my. It was. I love the fact that Pendle is uh, Pendle Hill is basically the word hill three times. Because um, it's Pendle. Oh <laughs> yeah. So when they got there, they called it Pen, which is hill. And then, then, then another wave of people came, and they called it. Oh, that's Penn Hill, but their word for hill was dull. So, and then we came along. So it's hill, hill, hill. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, nice. Here, here, here. Bring it back to with Nail and I. Okay, yeah. always, always. So on that note, it's time for us to wrap up. Thank you so yeah. much, Ian, for suggesting this. Uh, thank yeah, you, Kirsty, for. Well, I, I meant to, I meant to say it was because of the soundtrack. Yes, that, that very quickly because we've got like amazing. one minute. Did you enjoy yeah. the music when you watched the film, or did you did you just not even notice it because of all the other things that were annoying you? Weirdly, I kind of yeah, I did hear it during the quieter moments. But yeah, but actually, yeah, the soundtrack I've been listening to non-stop. Yeah, um, the well, movie can be whatever you want if you just listen to the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like yeah, it's like if if the soundtrack had been, if the film had been as good as the soundtrack. Like the soundtrack is like a building on the other two movies' soundtracks and improving upon it. If the movie had done that, um. Then, then we'd have had a bona fide trilogy of amazing movies. Mm -hmm. oh, well. We've been robbed. But yeah, we no. have Alien Three and a good soundtrack, so there we go. Yes, <laughs> I'm still annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! You can't kill characters like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got to stop this. Thank you so much, Ian. Thank you so much, Kirsty. This yeah. has Thank been you. such fun. It's lovely. Thank you, listeners. You'll Best hear us <laughs> signing off. Yes. Uh, 
I'll yeah. probably drown in my skate pod and no one will care. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who I'll knows what... And no one will care. I, I literally have no <laughs> idea what's coming next week, so it could be anything. So, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll end on that cliffhanger. But thank you so much, and thanks for Good listening, night. everybody. Good night! Bye-bye! <laughs> Bye! You have been listening to And Now the Podcast Starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by Kirsty Warrow, Ian Winterton, and T.D. Velasquez. Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows, and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages at andnowpod or at leecushingpod. Follow us on Twitter at andnowpodcast or at leecushingpodcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash and now podcast and now the podcast stops